because you're jumping back into the gut. All right. Hey, Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Awesome to welcome St. Peter's University head coach Shaheen Holloway to share the game with us. Coach Holloway just completed his third season at St. Peter's and in 2020 was named the MMAC Coach of the Year. Coach Holloway, of course, had a storied playing career at Seton Hall, where he's also served as an assistant coach under Kevin Williard. And prior to that was an assistant coach at Iona as well. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. How you been? How's everything good? Yeah, outstanding. I mean, I get a chance to talk basketball with people with you like you. So isn't that fun? <laughs> uh, it's always fun, especially now that the season's over. You get a chance to, you know, you know, decompress a little bit and get a, a recap of things and put things in perspective, especially after this year. Uh, oh, I know. Tough year, right? But yeah, it's, it's, it's always good talking basketball. Just, you know, that's my love. That's my passion. So. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun, Coach. And I wanted to start with something that I read from one of your interviews, and I want to get your uh, expanded perspective on that. And that's your no stars philosophy. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, you know, what? <laughs> it's funny you say that because uh, so my second year here, we, we had an unbelievable year. Um, I was playing 12 guys, double figure minutes, you know, and obviously nowadays you, people don't do that anymore because kids obviously want to play a lot of minutes and leave. Um, and I just, you know, I, I adopt that philosophy because I'm an old school guy, um, you know, and so my thing, I, I tell my players all the time, like, we, we don't have stars on this team. You know, we all equal one, including me as the head coach. You know, I'm the head coach, but my assistants and everybody else is kind of all on the same page. So our thing is, you know, before practice is, like, understand who we are and where we are and um, who we are as a team. At that time, I saw my second year, you know, I had like six guys you know, average anywhere from six to eight to 10 points. And that's why we were so dangerous because it was like no stars. So when you're doing our, when you, when you do a scout report on us, like you have no idea who to focus on. So that's kind of, you know, kind of the thing that I adopted and the team took it and we ran with it and we just kind of been successful from it. Well, speaking to that, then uh, a fast, aggressive style helps that and helps you play more players. But I'm curious with that, with playing so many players, what dictates your player rotations and how do you balance subbing with other aspects of coaching during a game? It's funny. It's, it's all, all fail, right? So you got to get a feel for things. Um, like I said, that particular year last year, you know, it, just, it was kind of based off at first I had a set thing in my mind. Okay. I'm getting guys out at right before the, the first time out, the 16 minute time out and I'm gonna do this, but then you guys start playing well. Right. So then you go, you know, let me keep them in a little longer. Um, but it just was like an off-field and off um, kind of how we played. And the way I play is we play so hard on defense, like you're going to want to ask to come out the game. You know, so guys guys understood that they was coming out and going back in just because if you're not giving me 110%, you're coming out anyway. So it was one of those things. Well, I'll tell you, in preparing for this, the two things that came through for me was obviously that 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 unique part about playing 12 players, but the other part being how often you talk about playing hard. And I want to get your thoughts on how you help shape that within your program. Well, you know what? I think, you know, uh, it's funny because I think I want guys to take on my personality, right? You know, I coach that way. I coach hard. I coach with passion. 
Uh, when I was a player, I played extremely hard. I, I played with passion. Um, I tell guys all the time, like, there's no cool in basketball. So if you try to be cool, then I'm the wrong coach for you. Um, a lot of guys that's uh, playing cool don't make money playing this game of ball. And everybody wants to be a pro, right? That's all the kids. I want to be a pro. I want to be a pro. All right, well, in order to be a pro, you got to – there's a lot of kids out there that could do what you could do. What's the difference, right? So are you going to play harder than them? Are you going to give it everything you got? Our model here at St. Peter's is you got to play every game and every minute like it's your last. Uh, it's, it, it was fitting, especially for this year with COVID, because you, you never know. I mean, anybody could have got – at any given time, a team could have got shut down. So we – um. I made sure that, you know, like I said, it, it kind of take on my personality. Like I'm, I'm very fiery, um, very passionate. And I, I coach that way because I played that way. And I, I want guys to have that same chip on their shoulder per se. Right. I want you. So when I'm recruiting guys, I tell guys all the time, I want guys that have a chip on their shoulder. I want guys that's hungry. I want guys that feel like they got overlooked. Right. And, and, and then my pitch when I recruit, I tell kids all the time, if you love the game of basketball, I'm the best coach for you. If you don't love the game of basketball, don't come play for me. You know, so it's, it kind of comes from that. Yeah, it's great. And uh, I, I, I just want to come back to the playing 12 players then. Who, who's handling substitutions? Is that you or do you have some assistance as well that chart and uh, help you with the substitution part of it? I know you said feel, but what else goes into that? Well, you know what? It's funny. I was talking to a good friend of mine, uh, Coach Jordan from, but- from Butler, LeBar, um, and, you know, he told me he got a – Offensive guy and a defensive guy, you know, he got, you know, who makes subs. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, wow, I'm really not at that point yet in my career. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, not that I don't trust my coaches because I do, but right now I'm kind of in charge of all that. Um, like I said, our guys understand that you're coming out, but you're going back in. So when I'm playing guys 12, 12 guys, double figure minutes, like I told you, Chris, before, if they don't play hard, like they should be asking to come out the game for playing so hard anyway. And if you're not asking to come out, that means that you're not giving me everything you got. Um, so to answer your question, it's kind of, it's me who making the subs and a fill and, you know, uh, what, who match up well with who and what guys to get on the court together and, you know, don't stop the momentum of what's going on. Or you might got to change the momentum. I might have the five guys who started that's not playing well. Okay, well, let's go. Next five in. It's, it's so great to get your perspectives on some of these things. And, uh, you know, and, and even you saying that it's maybe different as a, as a newer coach versus a you know, older or more experienced head coach as well. Want to come back to playing hard because another part that I heard you say is that you don't want to be handcuffed by a player. And I love that phrasing in the context that you shared that in. Can you explain that to everyone? Yeah, you know, it's it's a thing that, you know, I remember when, um, you know, when I was a player and I also remember when I was assistant coach. And my, and my thing is like, I don't never want no one thinking that they're bigger than the whole team, right? Or bigger than the game of basketball. And I say it all the time, no, no one player is going to handcuff me to the point where, like, I feel like I got to play this player or I'm going, oh, I'm going to lose him. Like, I don't coach that that way. Like, I know it's, it's, it's crazy to say that, especially in these times with the, with the portal being way what it is. But I'm not, like, I'm not afraid to lose a guy. Um, I'm not afraid to coach a guy hard or coach a guy um, to what I feel like they need. You know, I'm not, I'm not telling guys what they want to hear all the time, right? So with saying that, like, I'm not going to be handcuffed. Like, I'm if you don't want to play the way I want you to play, then you you, you can't play here. And that's just what it is. Um, and my thing is like, I'm going to put my guys in spots with them to, for them to be successful. You just got to trust me. Right. I know the old cl- cliche is you got to trust the process, right? Trust the process. But my thing is just trusting what I'm trying to do. Um, we, Chris, we've been here for a short period of time for three years. 
right? And in those, in those three years, you know, we reached the, the, the top of the league. Trust in that. Trust in what we're, we're doing. I'm not going to have you, you know, well, I don't want to practice today. Or I don't want to do this. Or I don't want to do that. Or one player is so, so, so much better than everybody else. He knows that. So now he knows that I need him. So now he's going to start doing certain things. Nope. No, 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 no. I tell people all the time. I tell my team all the time. No one is that good, even me as a head coach, where we ain't got to come in and give it 120%. Like we, like we good together as a group, not in, individually. I'm excited to dive deeper into the details uh, and, and coaches can understand just listening to you right away that to passion and hard work are overriding all of the details when we get into it. So let's talk first about the defensive side of the ball and talk about team defense. And, you, you know, you, one of your ethos is constant communication. I'm wondering, however, what specifically are some of the cues that you're using in terms of constant communication? Because it's not just noise, right? Yeah, well, well, I practice this while I start doing um, my last two years at Seton Hall as associate head coach. Um, one of the years we was, I mean, we couldn't win a game in January at all. It was just, it was, it was, it was bad, right? So you know, I went to a couple of players, talked to them. You know, I know doing our individual instruction, I play music. And the guys love music. You know, they they kind of, you know, this is this is what get them going. So I said to, you know, my head coach at the time, uh, Coach Willard, I said, Coach, let's play music during practice. You know, that way I don't want us talking as coaches. Let the players talk, right? Let them talk over music. So now we're making sure that they talk louder and they communicate with each other. So we started doing that at Seton Hall. And next thing you know, Chris, it, I mean, the whole month of February was unbelievable for us. Um, and then we kind of did that the rest of the year. Then the next year we won a bunch of games and we kind of bought into that. And I kind of bought that with me to St. Peter's. And what I do is there is um, I play music during the whole practice. Um, it get guys going. It keep me engaged as well, right? Because, you know, it could get, you know, boring a little bit, going over the same things. Um, and that way I tell some some um, drills we do, I tell the coaches, you're not allowed to talk. The players got to talk. And the players, you got to talk over this music. So that means you got to talk loud. You got to communicate. You got to tell your teammates where they need to be helped, even like talk. And um, it's kind of, it's kind of been successful for us. You know, I don't know if anybody could do it. You know, I kind of been doing it and we kind of been doing it pretty well. Um, and it, it worked because like I tell guys all the time, when the defense is away from us during the game, you probably can't have us calling out the plays anyway. So that way you guys all on the same page and we used to it. So. That's kind of what, you know, that it's, it's definitely worked for you, coach. I mean, tremendous, tremendous improvements at St. Peter's in your time. And uh, you, you can tell, and you can tell watching your team play, which I did to get ready for this, that you also emphasize tremendous ball pressure. Can you talk to us about what you teach in terms of on the ball stance? So it's funny, it's funny you say that, right? Cause I call my guys um, the night of the Butler Gonzaga, excuse me, Butler, jeez. I call my guys the night of the Bella Gonzaga game. And I told him, I said, you guys are watching Bella's defense on the ball defense. I said, you know, that's us, right? And when I tell you guys, that's what win games and win championships. Now you see. Like, so with that being said, we spend a lot of time on defense, Chris. A lot of time. Like, that's who we are. Like, our, our team is, is built on defense. Um, and that's, that's my background. That's kind of what I always did. Um, and we spend a lot of time on, you know, not so much shell. Like, I know a lot of people do a lot of shell defense. We spend a lot of time on one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three. Because my thing is this, like, and it it also worked offensively too, right? Because if you, like, so when I was playing growing up, we played a lot of one-on-one, a lot of two-on-two, a lot of three-on-three. 
kids these days have no idea what that is. Like they have no idea that you're going to gym and you're playing one-on-one. God's going to gym and just take 200 three-pointers, but they're not good three-pointers. They just stand around. This way, when you're working on one-on-one, you're working on how to get around people. You're working on how to read defense offensively. And then defensively, you're working on how to stay in front of people and move, and move your feet and beat people and beat people to a spot. Um, that's kind of what we do in practice for like the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes. We play a lot of one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three closeouts, um, beating people to spots, don't ride them. Um, I have philosophy. We don't give our middle. Everything is forward to the baseline. Um, so the defense come that way. And that's kind of what we've been doing here. Um, it's worked for us. Um, this year, our numbers, we was like number one in defensive stops. Like we've been, like I think we was like number one in five different defensive categories, which has been like that since I've been here at, at St. Peter's. I'm curious then with the two-on-two, three-on-three, et cetera, like are, are you playing different types of games of two-on-two, three-on-three each day to be able to emphasize different things? Is that what you're doing? Like essentially yeah. the same template, but you're changing the emphasis? Yeah, like sometimes you go, you're allowed to do three dribbles. Sometimes you're allowed to do two dribbles. Um, sometimes you got to try to go baseline and we got to cut you off and make sure that, that um, I don't allow middle, so we force you middle sometimes and we kind of cut you off and make you go baseline. Um, it's just different things that we teach on it. Um, a lot of it is contesting. Uh, we, we had a problem our first year with contesting the three-point line. You know, we got killed on that. So I, the last two years, we put a big emphasis on that. Um, we, spent, we spent a lot of time five-on-five five as well. Once we, you know, we do a lot of, you know, I call it build-up drills. So they start from one-on-one to two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five, and we kind of extend it out. Um, so our first, I would say, our practice there's all defense and there's all half court. Now, now that could get really for kids who don't have a <laughs> you know a mindset of that. It could get you know to a point where it get pretty hard. But you know we built that in them, um, and that's something that we do. And I tell them all the time like this is who we are. Like when we go games where we don't score for five or six minutes, but we get seven, eight, twelve stops. This is why we're still in games. Well, I love that philosophy of using constraints, uh, things that are going to shape learning and coaching within the context of the game. And I imagine the part that does make it a little bit easier for your players who may think it's all defense is that you're getting to play offense at the same time, right? Because you're doing two on two and three on three. So in a way you're taking care of both sides of the ball at the same time. Correct. 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 You know, and like I said, and then it's a, so you're working on defense, but the offensive guys were working on offense. Like you, you trying to score, like you got to learn how to score against a good defensive team. Um, And I think we are pretty good defensive team. And that's why, um, you know, when we work on that, those type things, our offenses guys get better as well. I mean, because it's like you're learning how to score against guys that take defense serious. Like my guys take defense serious because I make sure we do that. So when you learn how to go against those guys every day, you got another choice but to get better offensively as well. Hey, this is Chris Oliver from the Basketball Podcast. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now on pro basketball and the start of Major League Baseball season. BetOnline.ag has all the betting action. In the NBA, the conference races are heating up as teams prepare to make their run for the playoffs. And if baseball is your first love, BetOnline has you covered. If you love hockey, golf, MMA, and championship boxing, BetOnline has it all. Every sport, every game, every matchup. BetOnline has you covered for all the odds and real-time updates and is the place to be for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to place and check in on all your favorite sports bets all the time. Head to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with BetOnline. Coach, have you heard of Locker Room? 
Locker Room is live audio-only sports talk. It's free to download and to use. And you can talk to me and other fans and athletes and insiders in real time. I'm now going live on Locker Room on the Locker Room app every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, where I'm going to have real basketball conversations. It's perfect as well for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news, where you can share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is to download the Locker Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the league or group that you want to be a part of. You can follow me on Twitter at B-Ball Immersion to be notified when my room goes live. We'll be going live on Locker Room Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Join me on Locker Room. I want to talk about pressing a little bit because obviously you're a pressure team. And uh, before we get to that, though, with the, playing the 12 players you did as in, as in 2020 season, is that an ideal now moving forward? Or was that just a reality of what you had to do at that time for your system to work? So just going, just backtrack a little bit. So my, my first year I got the job, um, we was, I had like, like four, I had like five scholarships that I had to fill. I got the job in like the end of April, right? Um, I didn't know, you know, I knew the team personnel because I did some homework. I didn't know, you know, John Dunn was a great defensive coach. Uh, you know, he, his guys play hard. So I knew that those guys had the concept of defense. Um, but we wasn't very deep at all. So I told my guys, you know, this next recruiting class, I want 10, 11 guys because I was playing six or seven guys my first year, and it wasn't fun at all. So when we got that class, we brought them in. It was great. You know, we kind of built in that, and that's that's how I want to play. And the funny thing, Chris, I'm going to tell you a story, and you're going to get a kick out of this. You know, everyone is telling me you can't play like that anymore. Kids want to play 30 minutes a game. You're going to, kids going to transfer, you want to leave. To the flip side now, this year, everybody in my league started doing it, right? So it, it was funny. Everybody was killing me for it. Then when we had success, now everybody's doing it. And to be honest with you, I wish I had it this year because we was playing back-to-backs, right? So now if I had it playing this year, I wouldn't have had a problem. I, like, we would have been great. But everybody in my league was now playing 10, 11, 12 guys, which in the past, they was only playing six or seven, and I was getting killed for doing it in the newspapers everywhere. But then when it was successful, it became successful. Now everybody wanted to start doing it. So I just wanted to throw that in there because I thought that was hilarious. It is no. funny. It's a great compliment as well, coach. And uh, you, you talked about one of the reasons that you like to press is to put pressure on the off, not, not necessarily even just put pressure on the offense, but to put pressure on the shot clock, right? Correct. So, yeah, so we, you know, I play two different type of press. I go to uh, a 2-2-1, two, two, back to like a matchup zone at times. And then we play, uh, obviously, full court, man, man, man press. And our 2-2-1 two, two, is not to get stills per se, it's to slow them down, make them think, you know, get the ball over half court. Now you guys started gotten, you know, instead of having 30 seconds, now you got 18 seconds or 24 seconds to make a, a play, you know. And then when, when, when we're in our matchup zone, these guys do one or two or three, four passes. But they know, like, oh, damn, man, man, now shot clock is down to 12, 15. Now we kind of getting what we want. So from that aspect, we do that. And then when I go full court, man, man, we get all over it. That's when I'm trying to get stills and create tempo and things like that. Yeah, it's great. It must make it fun to be able to coach as well. Now, I'm curious, when you do use a pressing type of style, what, how does that shape your practices in terms of the, some of the things that you do within practice? Well, you know, this year it was, it was challenging, right? Because we, didn't, we, didn't, we actually didn't have a home gymnast this year. 
right? Our gym is getting done over, right? So we was, uh, we was in a local high school and we when we had a certain amount of hours, we had two hours for the gym. So I had to try to get in what was important, right? To us at the time. And with us, we do so much defensive stuff. But yeah, you know, to answer your question, like it's, the kids love it. The kids love playing that style because most people like playing up and down and most kids don't like structure offense or structure defense, right? They like just 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 going to play, but with us, it don't look like it's structured, but it's very well structured. I don't know if that makes sense to you. you know it makes saying? yeah, it makes sense, and I think uh, in reflecting back on what you talked about with some of your small sided games, three on three, etc., that you're constantly working on rotations and recovery, right? right. So that right. applies in the half court and it applies in the full court. Yes, right, because now you're playing like we do some five on five full shell, full court, right? And now you're working on positioning. Now you're working on when to come and run and jump, when it when to stunt, when just to be there. And those things is a build-up. And now when we go five on five, full court, live, now guys know when to go. Cause I don't have a particular call when I go, okay, go. It's all fill. Right. So if a guy's going to the, the sideline and we turn them, you gotta be there. You know, or the guys come in middle, a speed dribble, then go. If a guy's coming, he's probing, probing, you can't run it because now he sees you coming, he's gonna pick us apart. So it's kind of it's kind of different feels with it. That's kind of how we do it. Well, and it speaks to the fact that, you know, it's really hard to learn how to press if you're not playing against offense, right? It's right. This is not an on-air drill. This is, you know, offense versus defense and get better yeah. and get a feel for the decisions, right? Yes, Chris. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's like I said, it, my first year, we had a problem turning the ball over when teams pressed us, right? It's funny because they said the whole thing is a pressing team don't, don't like to get pressed, right? So it's funny. So we had uh, issues turning the ball over last year and a little bit this year as well. No, I'm excuse me, my first year and my second year. Um, so working on that, I worked on my guys on offense too. Like they come after us, right? Learn how to take care of the basketball. Right. So now you got two or three dribbles to try to get over. If not, then you're making the pass. Because everybody knows the, the ball moves faster than they dribbling. Right. But most kids want to just try to break the press on their own. And you know, I, I had a kid, Aaron Astana last year, um, who was a freshman for us, who got rookie of the year, who ended up transferring to Oregon. Um, he was very gifted with the ball. So he was like, go just clear everybody out, not just bring the ball up. I'm like, Aaron, it doesn't work like that. And practice, it might work like that. In the game, you know, like they, they come after us. And that's why we got to learn how to, you know, pick guys in position. Coach, as an aside, as you mentioned that, that you had a player transfer to Oregon, and maybe not that specific example, but just in general, if you're thinking about mid and low majors and having players transfer to a higher level it, that's actually a compliment and is that actually something that you use in selling recruits on the fact that we can develop you you know what i, I it's a dangerous line isn't it it's it so my coaches want to use it i don't because i yeah. think that, you know like you said it's a, it's a catch point too there like you got to be careful with that right totally. because now here's, here's the thing now that that player comes in and say okay i can do, do the same thing i can stay one year in league too right um i don't really talk too much about that once a person leaves me they're gone. Um, yep. I work for the best. I have, I have no animosity towards those guys. Um, but I don't, I kind of focus on what I have and who we have and stuff like that. But you're right, man. It's dangerous. You know, you got to be real careful with that. Yeah, just curious. And uh, coach, another term that you use, which I don't think on the podcast we've ever got a coach really kind of dive in a little bit deeper and sharing an explanation on is using the term wall up. Can yeah. you talk about that and what it means for you and your program? So when we talk about wall up, that's pretty much our big guys and guards. Um, so with our guards, like I got small guards. So when smaller guards get post up, I want to just I want us to just wall up, not try to block a shot because you ain't blocking no 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 one shot, right? So on defense, we kind of 
either front or three, three quarter. And once they get it, you play behind them and you just rolling up your hands up. You're kind of pushing from your stomach up. Referees pretty much don't look at the, you know, they, they don't look at down there, they look up top. So now we, I actually learned this to tell you the truth from UConn. So when I was playing at Seen Hall, I don't know if you remember Jake Bosco. Yeah. He did the best job of rolling up. I mean, he his post defense was some of the best I've ever seen in my life. Because what he did was he bodied up and walled up and he never moved his hands. He always moved his feet and his stomach and he kind of pushed you and the, re- and the referees don't look at it like that. So that's kind of what we teach. Um, also, when we come over help side or weak side, um, on a double team, we teach us walling up. Come together, put your hands, protect yourself here and just kind of just walling up and, um, you know, not not go for fakes, not going anything, just wall up, hands up, come together and just be big. And that's kind of what we've been teaching and it's been good for us. Because if you watch my team, we, we're not very big. Um, and people throw down the ball down low all the time on us. And people have a hard time scoring because we do our work early, right? So we kind of take them out of their comfort zone. Then once they get in their comfort zone, we, we're not going for ball fakes. We ain't going for nothing. We just walling up and just, just, just being big and move your feet. And that's kind of what we teach. Yeah, it's, it speaks to that exactly, that stay down and make them make a shot between you and the rim rather than give up an advantage, right? Of course, you know, make them shoot over you just as long as your hands is up and fine up, especially for guards. Guards, you know, us small guards want to think that we shot blockers, right? We won't, we won't go in there and we just try to block shots. We're not blocking no one's shot, right? So just wall up, body up, push them off and make them shoot over you. Yeah, deal with realities. And the other part that I love that you mentioned is that you, you generally can foul with your lower body if you're smart about it, but you can't foul with your upper body. Yeah, because referees looking up, like, they never look low. Like they never ever look low. Um, you know, right now with the new thing in the post, you know, you can play with your elbow. You can, you know, you can arm arm guard. But my thing is like when we've walling up and our hands are straight up, and they teach, right? That the new rule is if your hands straight up, it's not a foul, right? So if your hands straight up and you're pushing from underneath, like they really never look at that. Now, hopefully, they don't miss this podcast and, and take my little secret. But, you know. <laughs> No, no, you'll be fine, coach. And uh, yeah, I know you talk, we could get into closeouts a little bit, but mainly the part on closeouts I want to get into is the fact that you want your players to leave their feet to challenge a shot, right? Correct. So, so that's done. that's a little bit of a contradiction from the post then. The Correct. post, stay down, perimeter, yeah. you want them to leave their feet. Yeah. So when we closing out, I, I teach closeout short, right? Because the reason why we teach closeout short is if, you, if you're closing out and you're running out, any good guard is going to run right by you. Right? So you teach closeout short with your hand up and you're chopping your feet. Most guys with not great shooters are not looking to shoot the basketball. At first, they're looking to drive. So if you're closing out short, when they, when they come driving at you, you could beat them. It's all about angles. You know, that's what I learned at an early age. Like, you ain't got to be the fastest person, but if you, if you learn angles, you're going to be a good defender. I call it smoke and mirrors. Right? Um, so we teach that, and we also teach contestant, but you only leave your feet when the offensive guy leaves his feet. Right, because so everybody now go for shot fakes and ball fakes, and I don't want my guys doing that. You close out short, hands up, and when he leaves his feet to shoot, contest straight up, box out. If not, don't leave your feet. Don't go for shot fakes. Don't don't go for ball fakes. Just stay down, and that's kind of what we teach. And we, like I said, everything is forced to the baseline. Love it. And uh, transitioning a little bit into offense and talking about that a little bit now. Um, Simon Gersberg from shockquality.com. He sent me a stat about you guys, which I thought was tremendous. And it's that St. Peter's this year had the second most efficient ATOs in the MMAC in terms of quality of shots. And overall, we're 55th in the nation. 
So I'm wondering, what are you doing to be able to manufacture great shots? <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's funny, Chris, because, you know, because we have a hard time scoring at times. So I'm, I'm, it's, I'm actually, you know, uh, surprised to hear that stat. Um, the one thing I am, though, at the time I was, I do take, you know, I, I do take that serious, like trying to score, you know, on, you know, having a special situation with that. Um, we spend so much time on defense and my guys, you know, um, the offensive team, sometimes it comes to a point where like one team is on defense because I want them to get three stops in a row. And that's how you got to get off. Like you got you to get three stops in a row and then you get off. Um, but on the offensive side, you know, when you're playing against each other so much, you know what that person like to do, right? So like, you know the play, you, you know what the play is going to be about, you know what that person like to do. So we have a hard time, you know, scoring and, and, and practicing the games. You know, we, we, we run so much open offense and a lot of pick and rolls. Like you need a, like you need a point guard and you need playmakers to make plays, man. You know, and I tell people all the time, um, really not the offense, it's, it's the players. Period, right? Um, and this year, that's why, you know, going out recruiting, I got to get two more playmakers because I, I don't want to get stuck where we had a hard time scoring a lot last year, Chris. I mean, we, we had some yeah. games when we scored for seven minutes, eight minutes, you know, and, and you can run all the best plays in the world. But if you got guys to, to you know, say, forget this play, I'm going to get fouled. You know, I'm getting to the basket or I'm getting a, a layup. You know, that's kind of what it's all about. Well, to clarify, you'll have to stand in this compliment, coach. This that that stat is actually a reflection of your ability to put them in a situation where they can take a quality shot. It doesn't necessarily mean they made it, <laughs> which speaks back to your point. <laughs> well, I guess I was like, wow, okay, that's really no. you know, I thought, you know, like I, I run some good stuff. Um, once again, I I steal from a lot of people. Coach, is it is it matchup based? Like, do you come out of timeouts or ATOs thinking matchup based, like to getting your players in the best situation, or are you well, thinking about attacking their matchups? Which which well, one? Well, that's my thing. Like, so we spend a lot of time. Like, so right, it's funny. I was just telling I was telling this to a recruit last night. You know, when you do a walkthrough or you do a, something of another team, you kind of go over their stuff, right, and say, okay, they're gonna run this, they're gonna run that, they're gonna do this. When I when I do, I do it actually different. I go, okay, how can we score against them? Like, who's a weak defender? Who's going? Who's playing who? How can we get the? How can we get the, the mismatch? Or uh, you know stuff like that. Um, so when we come out of timeouts, I have a play sheet um, that's very long, you know, and each time is something different. It's never the same thing, and I just try to you know explore different matchups. So I want to talk about the three point line, and I want to go back to what you said earlier about that you needed to adjust your three point line defense. Can you talk about some of the things that led to improvement in that? first, and then we'll talk about the offensive side. Well, one was contesting shots, leaving, leaving your feet. That was big. Second was running people off the three-point line, you know, make, making them, you know, not comfortable, making them drive the basketball, especially when you're playing against teams that's really good three-point shooters, right? Um, and the uh, third thing was, you know, we don't deny, Chris. Like, you know, most, defense, most good defensive teams deny. Like, we don't deny. Our thing is help out be in the gap. Once your man get it next, you pressure the heck out of him. Right? So with that being said, now when guys are better shooters, you kind of shade toward the shooter a little bit more. Right? Um, but I thought helping us the last two years with defense, um, three-point defense, de- three-point defense was just contesting running, and running people off the line. Personnel is very key. 
we, we spend a lot of time on personnel. Like, you know, so you got to know personnel. You got to know who's who. You got to know who's a shooter, who's a driver. You know, and we kind of drill that, drill it, drill it, drill it. And guys kind of, when the game starts, they know who's who. So to, to go to the offensive side of the ball, in looking at some of the stats from shotquality.com, what it, what it said is that you guys were very good in terms of getting a quality of three-point attempt. Again, that doesn't mean you necessarily made it, but you got a very good quality of three-point attempt. And, and I think a lot of it in looking at the numbers is because you were so good at attacking the rim. Like your numbers in terms of getting to the rim were very high. So I'm wondering what, what has helped you guys be so efficient getting to the basket? Oh, we, like I said, man, I think the one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three helps a lot. I recommend that to anybody who's listening today. Um, I mean, like I said, you have to know how to score. Everybody want to everybody be a scorer, right? They don't know how to score, right? So you got to know how to score. When you're playing one-on-one, you're learning how to go around people and read angles. Two-on-two, the same thing. Three-on-three, the same thing. Um, also, we, we do a lot of driving kick drills in, in practice, like live driving kick drills. Um, and I got some guys that can really – shoot the basketball. Um, so I encourage those guys to take shots. Now, some of them, obviously, be watching Steph Curry and Dame Leonard, some of everybody want to shoot from way beyond the three-point line, right? You know, slide it in a little bit, fellas. You know, you guys ain't Dame and, and Steph. Um, but we spend a lot of time on driving kicks and and um, learning how to shoot and when to shoot and, you know, try to get to the basket. And I got some some wings that are very good drivers. And then when the defense collapsed, we play very unselfish. They, they know how to hit the open guy. Coach, have you heard of Locker Room? Locker Room is live audio-only sports talk. It's free to download and to use. And you can talk to me and other fans and athletes and insiders in real time. I'm now going live on Locker Room on the Locker Room app every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, where I'm going to have real basketball conversations. It's perfect as well for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news, where you can share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is to download the Locker Room app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the league or group that you want to be a part of. You can follow me on Twitter at Immersion to be notified when my room goes live. We'll be going live on Locker Room Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Join me on Locker Room. Coach, thanks for supporting the podcast. I'm so excited to share this with you. Your outdoor experiences could be better, clearly better. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. Using Japanese optics, Canon lenses are clearer, lighter, and stronger than other lenses, and nearly impossible to scratch. With frames handcrafted in Italy, Canon sunglasses elevate your experience outside with a degree of clarity beyond your wildest imagination. Coach, I have a pair and I love these and I want to share this exclusive code with you. CanonCast15 at Canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's CanonCast15, K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T 15, Canon clearly better. Great stuff, Coach. With those driving kick drills, what I'm curious about, because I think this is a challenge for a lot of coaches that you can help help them understand maybe. The problem with a lot of driving kick drills is that they usually start from an unrealistic start, right? So can you explain a little bit some of the different dynamic ways you start the driving kick drills to make it realistic? Yeah, so one of the, so one of the things we do, Chris, we uh, I start with a big guy underneath on the left block. There's a shooter. There's a shoot. There's three shooters. There's a shooter 
in the corner. There's a shooter on a, in the gap, which I call the gap, which is the elbow. Then there's another shooter on another gap. And then also, there's also another big guy at the other elbow. So that's five guys on, on the court at the same time, right? The rebounder, which is normally the center, he's kicking it out to the guy in the corner. So if the first shot is a regular three, next shot, regular three, third shot, now you passing it out, he's ball faking, driving to score to the gap, driving to score. That guy that's on the first opposite elbow is spacing way to the top of the key. So you got to hit him. Now that guy that's at the top of the key, he's taking a, a hard rip in the paint. The guy that was on the opposite elbow is going to the other corner. So he's taking a hard rip, getting the paint, jump stop, kicking for a three, right? He's, he's shooting it. Next time around, instead of him shooting it, now he ball fakes, drop back to the middle. The guy who passed to him is now backing back up to the th- th- three-point line. He got an option of shooting it or driving it, hitting the guy at the opposite three. So we kind of do a lot of different things like that. I hope I explained it correctly. So you people did. Know yeah, it's great to shed some light on that, Coach. And uh, uh, going back to just let's go general offense, you, you, you've talked about this, that you, you believe in tailoring your offense every year to your personnel who's right. on your team and what are their strengths. Can you talk about that process? How do you decide that? Well, you know, like I, I do – I watch a lot of film, Chris, a whole lot of film. Um, I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a great coach, but what I do is I, I steal a lot of people's plays <laughs> because I watch so much. Um, I look at my personnel. Every year, I don't want to run the same plays because it's different personnel. Um, this year, I ran different stuff than last year. Um, this year, we had a team full of my, my wings and my bigs wasn't traditional bigs. You know, they were six seven, six eight that could drop the ball from the outside. So what I did, I put a motion offers in, um, and it was just about spacing, you know, spacing and try to get guys, you know, matchup uh, problems and stuff like that. Um, and also then you run some sets of who you got, right? You got, I got a couple of shooters, want to get guys some shots. Um, everything we did this year was pick and rolls. You know, if you got a pick and roll guard, you can, it's really dangerous because if he's really good in the pick and roll, he can find people and, and make them find himself. That's what Aaron Siler was for us. He was really good with that. Um, so it's like you said, it's on personnel, it's on, you know, different things I want to do. But I watch a lot of games and a lot of, and not just NBA games. I watch, you know, European games, uh, G League games, M- NBA, college, high school, and I look at plays and I, if I like them, I take them down and I kind of, you know, go over them, go over them, and see how it fits my guys, and kind of go from there. And and throughout the season, will you be emphasizing certain plays over other plays? And then you know they know that this package is important for this game versus these plays that we ran before, we're not using them right now. Is that kind of how it works? Well, you know, it's funny you said that because I did that last year, this year. I wanted to do that with the, with the back-to-backs, but it was kind of tough, right? Mm-hmm. Because like with the back-to-back, you really want to win the first game. So you kind of throwing the whole kitchen sink out. Like it doesn't matter what. You, <laughs> like you, not you can't saving save anything, it. yeah. You can't save anything. You kind of just want to, you know, you kind of go from there. And now there's no fans, there's no nothing. Other team, all they're doing right now is just, John down everything you say and everything you do, right? Um, but the you know last year, yeah, I kind of did that. I kind of had different packages for different games, um, and I and, and it's also based on who I got on the court, right? So I got five guys on the court that are really good drivers. That we kind of play an open offense. We kind of just motion. If I got guys that need you know that I need to run sets for, then we kind of run some sets for them. Great stuff. Uh, the other thing that, uh, you talk about is that, uh, you know, your real big emphasis on taking your time on layups and making good decisions. 
Can you, yes, yes. I see, I see your response and going, yes, a lot of coaches feel the same. Can you talk about that process for you and then how you shape that for your players? Well, you know what, uh, this year, especially this year, man, we, uh, we left so many points on the board. I mean, you'd be surprised. Like, finishing is like really tough for people, man. Like it's really, it's really hard because everybody, everybody want to be fancy, right? Everybody want to, you know, do the, you know, everybody want to do the jelly or they want to do different things and just, you know, basic two stop, two feet, ball fake. Like people don't teach that anymore. So we spend a lot of time on basic fundamental things. Um, we, we do a lot of finishing drills, um, even with the, with the pad or without the pad. This year was out the pad because of COVID. They don't want you being too close to the players, right? So you really can't do the things that you really want to do in practice. Um, but we spend a lot of time on, on, on finishing left hand, right hand, different layups. Because um, everybody want to shoot floaters or everybody want to take these layups off the, off the wrong foot because this is what they did with their trainers during the summer. You know, all stuff that you all stuff that you don't teach as a college coach, but they do it with their trainers. So now I got to get all those bad habits away and kind of get back to this. So we spent a lot of time on doing a lot of finishing drills um, around the basket. Um, I'll tell you, Chris, I'll tell you the truth, even in practice, if we're in practice and we miss four or five layups, I'm stopping and we're running. Right. You know, I used to do that with turnovers. Now I do that with missed layups because like we lost a lot of close games my first couple of years because of just bunnies at the basket, you know, because guys just don't focus and take their time. Like in the Mac, not too many really good shot blockers. Right. So you got to go in there having that mindset. They're not shot blockers. You got to know how to finish. Like you got to know how to get in there and, and ball fake, shot fake, and then step through and finish with your left, which a lot of kids can't finish with their left hand. That's part of the problem. Right. So no, I just, it's tremendous. And I, I imagine as I'm listening to you talk about this, that an overriding thing for your program is skill development within the year, within the season, right? Because you're not dealing with, you know, a certain level of player. These players have to get better for you to get better. So th- this continues throughout the whole season for you in terms of this emphasis on layups and skill. So, so a big part of what we do is skill development, Chris. That's kind of who we are. Um, I built my career with that from Coach Willard. Working with Coach Willard, um, I was with him for 11 years, and I was with him being with Coach Patino. You know, for all that time, he's with Coach P. Um, skill development was a big part of what we did at Iona and at Seton Hall, and I brought that over to St. Peter's. And I think that that's our recipe for success. You know, uh, I do skill development four to five times during the week, even during practice, even during the school, even during the year, which most people would do it in preseason. I'm doing it throughout the whole year because my thing is. If you don't get better individually, my team can't get, get better. You know, so we spend a lot of time on that. I mean, a lot of time. That's if you watch my team, you'll see like each month we get better because of that. Like our, our shots, we shoot the ball better, we start finishing better, decision making. Like we spend so much time on that. And I do small groups, I don't do big groups. So, like for example, um, if a kid had class at 10 o'clock, right? So you have class at 10, at 8 30. You're coming in with two other guys. So I'll do three guys to a group. And for 45 minutes, we're doing individual instruction, skill development, five days a week. And every day is something different. It's never the same thing. It's always something different each day. And I'll do that even during the season. That's right. Great. Because in practice, as a player, depending on who you are, you might only get three, four, five shots. Right. And I can't, I don't have time to work on skill development 20 minutes before practice. Right. People like, I do 20 minutes. Of, no. I want them guys to focus on really getting better, game-like shots, game-like moves, 
And that's, to me, I'll be honest with you, Chris, that's what I love. Like, that's the best part of my day when we do those individual instructions in the morning and I'm getting those guys better and those guys are working and we're having fun and you see the aftermath after, you know, guys getting better. You, you, you see a guy going, shooting 28% from three. The next thing you know, he's shooting 36 or 37 because the repetition and the confidence that he's getting from this skill development is unbelievable. I have two thoughts. One is that how I was going to ask you how you schedule it. And you talked about keeping it separate from practice. And I'm right. wondering, is that something that you learned through your playing experience or your coaching experience? That's the way you value doing it? Yeah, yeah I learned it through my coaching experience. I got it from, you know, obviously Coach Willard, who, you know, got it from Coach Patino. Yeah. Well, we are, so like we practice at three o'clock, right? So I'll have three, three groups of three throughout the morning, right? So a group would probably be at eight o'clock. 8 to 8.30 or 8 to 8.45. Then another group come in at like 8.30 to like 9.15. So we kind of schedule it through their class schedule. So now, and that was St. Peter's, you understand, you got to get your work in because now you're getting individual, lifting, study hall, class, all this stuff before 3 o'clock. Eat, all that stuff. So we so we working, right? Um, and that's every day, Chris. You know, that's something that we've been doing and I mean, honest, it's, it's been a great, great plus for us. Um, we kind of missed it this year just because we didn't have our own gym and it kind of hurt us. But I know it hurt us a little bit because I had a good group of freshmen that was now sophomores. And not only did we get to have it, you got to realize we, we didn't have a summer yeah. because, because of COVID. And summer is when we get our work in. Um, so we kind of, I was trying to get it, get it in, you know, doing practice, but you, you just can't do it. If you have practice at three o'clock, you can't do it at 2.30. With, with, with everyone. Like I'm a big believer in individuals with three groups because you, I do that with lifting too. Also do that with academic stuff. I think people work better in small groups. I just, you know, my opinion. Well, I imagine the other advantage is it really gives you a much better opportunity to build relationships and really connect with players, right? Because they Absolutely. are in smaller groups. They're more willing to communicate back to you in smaller groups and they're more, it's easier for you to connect. Well, connect and also they learn more. Right. So now instead of working with 12 guys, I'm working with three guys. Well, the so focus could, is on them, right? Absolutely. Now I'm spending time on their footwork because like a lot of a lot of kids who come to high school, they they walk. Right. They don't know because they don't call in high school. So we spend a lot of time on footwork, a whole a whole a bunch of time, a lot of time on footwork. Spend a lot of time on learning how to score without dribbling. Like most guys don't know how to score off the jab move. So we spend a lot of time. You watch my team. I mean, you see if we catch the ball, if we don't have a shot right away, they ain't pin the ball on the ground. It's, they jab it first learn how to move without, you know, learn how to score without dribbling the basketball. I don't like wasting dribbles like that. And we, we don't take 17-footers, 18-footers. Nope. Those are worst shots in basketball. You know, it's either a three-pointer, right, or a 15-footer. That's what we work on. Those, those are things that I work on. And, I, and you watch my team play. That's how we play. And, and the other part is uh, your, your actual team practices are a little bit shorter duration then. Is that, is that true? Well, well, it depends on how much I get done, right? So, like I said, uh, the first part of practice is almost like 45 minutes an hour is defensive stuff. Different defensive stuff. It's never the same. Um, and then we kind of get up and down because you have to with the kids because you don't want to lose them, right? Then you get up and down. And then you kind of work on your offensive stuff. See, but for us, I got to work on different things now. I got to work on that. I got to work on my press. I got to work on my zone. I got to work on a lot of things. So I try to go for like two, like two and a half hours, two hours, depending on, you know, because that morning thing, the morning is just for them getting better offensively, right? So now you have 
five, six, seven hours to recover from that before practice. So, um, yeah, we that's great. That's great. And, uh, you know, just to note for coaches is obviously the other part of that is that you're doing the skill development. And then when they get to team practice, they get a chance to connect it offense versus defense. You're not right. keeping it as a separate on air thing. You're connecting it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like I said, you know, I, I, I talked to a lot of coaches this year. Um, and most people do their skill development based off the offense. I don't do that. I do my skill development based off how I think kids need to learn how to score. You know you understand what I'm saying? Um, sometimes in your offense, you kind of teach you know, certain things during practice. But when you do individual stuff, that's just for them getting better. Like they got to get better on all aspects of their game on the offensive side. You know, that's great that you said that. So it's more of a holistic development. You're you're not Absolutely. saying I'm not trying to fit a player, you know, uh, like in a in a round hole. If they're no like trying to develop them as a whole player. Like, so you, if you look at my guys, like my big guys, they do the guard drills. Some of my guards do big guy drills, not so much posting up, but make post up and stuff like that. Um, and then sometimes we come together and we do boiling drills, and the bigs have to learn how to drill. But like I like skilled guys. So if you watch my team, my bigs. They get the rebound, I allow them to push it. So now when they push them, they got to learn how to make decisions, right? They get the ball on the mid post or at the three-point line. I'm working on those guys, ripping through, making a secondary move because you got to learn how to play from that. Like, I don't pick guys in boxing. I think that's why um, i kind of been successful with people tending to teach to me that probably shouldn't be on my level or in my conference because they know that their kids are going to get better and I'm not going to put them in the box and say, okay, just think, if you're a big guy, just get on the block. You you only do on the block stuff. Nope, you're doing everything. Well, and and that that leads us into this question, uh, which is about not putting them in a box. Is something that you've said is that you've moved towards some more motion based sets where it allows players more freedom. I'm curious to get your your thoughts on that. Well, you know, for example, this year's team, right? Um, Casey Andefo, who's six seven, he would play center for us. I wanted to get Casey on the th- on the move because Casey's not a, he's not great a back to the basket player. That's not his thing, right? So now I gotta get him on the move. I gotta get him going downhill. I gotta get him um, coming off some driving kicks or coming off you know a motion set or some weave. Now you have six eight, six nine, six ten guys chasing him outside. Now he could go bottom because he's very good because we work on his secondary moves or moves, right? I also gotta make him. He's not he wasn't a great three point shooter, but I gotta make sure. When he's out there, I don't know. I don't want him shooting 23s. I ain't saying that. You might take two or three if they go ones during, during, during the game. That way, his, I'm helping him with his game. He's helping us. See, to me, Chris, I'll be honest with you, most coaches not like this. To me, it's a give and take, right? Like, so you got to – I call it mindfuck. You got to mindfuck kids at times, right? Like, so, so you got to make, make them think, like, all right, well, coaches let me play on the perimeter. Coaches let me do this, do that, and you can't do it. So what coaches are doing now is – this is part of my whole thing of helping you become a better basketball player. And if you become a better basketball player on my team. So when I got my centers out on the three-point line, they know that they're not shooting four or five threes a game. They, they know that. I'm not playing that game. But if they got one and they wide open, take it, big fella. You know what I mean? Take it. You work at it. You work hard on it. We work on it in skill development. Or now you're out there. Here's the thing now. Now you, you know I make a dribble handoff. Now you know I make a dribble at them. They come now, you know, I throw a backdoor pass. So it's more based on those things because that's how my offense is set. And yeah, that makes gr- sense. Yeah, it's great. It's great to hear that perspective. And uh, 
you know, those, those soft words that you mentioned, it really comes back to positive manipulation, right? That's what we're trying to do. Manipulate them in a positive way so that they improve. Right. You're right. And that's what it's all about. Cause I'm, I'm a big believer. If, if guys get better individually, your, your team gets better for sure. Coach, I, I also have to say, I have to end this with talking about your gym because it consistently shines through. And you've said it multiple times at the podcast, how your gym was getting redone, but yeah. it consistently shines through about how important it is to get your gym redone. Cause it was not one of the good ones. <laughs> you know what, you know, it was important to me when I first took the job, Chris, you know, I asked my administration, how are they like, how, how much are you investing in winning? Right. And they say, yes. I said, okay, well, you know, for me to come in, these are the things that need to take place. Right. So, when I first came in, we had the same locker room that they had since the 1960s. Had a brand new locker room, beautiful, state of the art. My office was the same office they had. Whatever, got a brand new office. It was beautiful. Brand new weight room. And then, you know, talking to, you know, Tom McMahon, who's one of our big donors, who's an unbelievable supporter of the team. Um, he gave a, a big donation for a brand new gym. And this is going to open up on June 1st of this year. Super excited. I've seen the blueprints. I mean, it's, it's one of the, the better ones in our league. So I'm looking forward to that. And I know that's what kids like. Kids kids like facilities and kids like those, those type things. Me, when I play, give me four walls and two, basket, and two baskets. But it's not like that now. So I'm super excited for that. The kids are super excited. So definitely going to help us out. Awesome. Can't wait to see it. Coach, and listening to you, you're the type of coach that I would want to play for. You know, the, the, the reality is what's fun for so many players is, yes, competing. But most players want to get better and feel that someone's helping them get better. And, uh, you know, that shines through in what you do. It's just very simple. Work hard. Here's how you're going to get better. That's who you are, right? Right. Like, I'm simple, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm a young guy, but I'm an old school guy, right? So, like, I tell kids all the time, even when I'm recruiting them, listen, I'm not a car salesman. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you the world. I'm a basketball coach. I'm a father. I'm a big brother figure. I'm a mentor figure. I'm going to help you get better as a man. And as a, as a student and as a player, like that's my job. Um, all the other stuff, like that's, that's not me. I'm not, it's not about me, fellas. It's about you guys and you guys' experience in college because it's supposed to be a great experience. Um, and that's just who I am. I'm not a self-promoter. I don't, I don't say I try to promote myself and what I do and what, what we do. I, taught, I was taught at a young age, you work hard, keep your nose clean, you keep a low profile, let, you, let, let, let your work do the talking. That's kind of what I've been doing. Well, Coach, this has been tremendous. Uh, just so many insights in terms of how you run your program. And, uh, you know, I know there'll be tons of curiosity to learn more about you as well and your program and all the great success. So thank you for taking the time and sharing the game with us. No, thank you for having me, man. I definitely appreciate it. And um, anything I could do to help out, please don't hesitate. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things basketball immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.